Diwali, the Festival of Lights, is a vibrant and colorful celebration. We invite you to celebrate Diwali with a stroll through the enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens, adorned with lighted trees and displays on our half-mile paved trail with 500,000 sparkling lights at Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights in Vienna, Virginia. Get to Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights open November 10th through January 7th. Save time and money by purchasing a ticket online at winterwalkoflights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app? over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. You're about to receive a life-giving message from Bishop Kevin Foreman, pastor of Harvest Church, one church in global locations. To find out more about Bishop Foreman and Harvest Church, visit our website at www.harvestchurch.church and remember to love God, love people, and love life. Taking sides, we're taking over. Yeah, love God, love people, love life. We're not taking sides, we're taking over. Because I'm unconditionally loved by God and at harvest, I come to God as I am. But through today's life-giving message, I won't stay as I am. This is my banner year, which is my best year yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we honor you, bless you. Thank you for today's message. Thank you for today's word. We pray and believe, Father, now. And you're going to customize this, tailor make this for us, your people, that we would move and walk in what you've ordained. We thank you that as your word comes forth, your word is sharper than a dual-edged sword, which means it's got the ability to cut what needs to be cut off of us, and it's got the ability to shape us. That is to cause us to evolve, to go from an inferior version of ourselves to a, a superior version of ourselves. And so today, we declare that we are ready to receive. Somebody shout, I'm ready to receive. I said shout it, I'm ready to receive. Speak to us with power. Speak to us with clarity now. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody at 915 said amen. amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. We're going to look at a few scriptures. Normally I'd have you read one now, but we're going to look at a few. We're in week four of our series called This Is My Story. And we've been learning life-giving lessons from the stories of others. And in last Sunday's message, we learned a powerful life-giving lesson from the children of Israel. Say children of Israel. And we went deeper on Wednesday. I encourage you to get those messages in auto message or to even get them uh, through our mobile or in the bookstore and cafe. We learned that their real problem, the reason that they were up and down, the reason that they went through cycle and cycle and cycle, the reason that they constantly went through unnecessary trouble was because they never really loved God. They loved what he did for them and they liked him a lot. In fact, the reality of why you keep going through certain struggles and issues with people over and over and over again is the same issue a different day is because for many of people who say they love you they do not love you they love what you do for them you are simply an escape from reality you are simply an escape from loneliness you are simply uh, self-serving a need for them it's not that they love you it's that they love what you do for them they just like you a lot now, I know that's a sobering reality, but it's a truthful reality that we got to deal with. That's why the scripture says the truth will make us free. Because the truth of the matter is, is the children of Israel, the scripture says, that they were the church in the wilderness. Acts 7.38, it says that they were the church in the wilderness. So when we read about them, we discovered last Sunday, we're really reading about ourselves. Somebody say, uh, I'm learning something. Uh, the truth of the matter is, for most Christians, if we tell the truth, what we call our love for Jesus is really self-serving because we use it to spite others that we felt did not love us. 
So even when we lift our hands, we're only doing it despite a father that walked out or a mother that treated you bad or a cousin that did you wrong. It is not because you have a legitimate love for him. It is that you're using your love for him to make somebody else that isn't even paying attention jealous. Now, this is going to be a very pastoral message, so I just got to let this one drop heavy. Somebody say it's dropping heavy. But I've determined to be a pastor that doesn't just give you a high-carbohydrate diet to where you get out and you got a high energy, but then it drops and you don't have results. As your pastor, I'm committed to you having some results in your life. I want you to have some evolution in your life. I want you to see some change in your life. So sometimes the message ain't going to make you feel good, but it's going to make you better. Just slap your neighbor, high five, say, it's about to make me better. So watch this. We learned with the children of Israel, they didn't love him. They loved what he could do for them, and they liked him a lot. So he went through the same issues with them over and over and over again. And we learned this uh, from Psalm 78. One of the chief musicians named Asaph, he tells their story. And we looked at a few verses. Y'all remember that with Asaph? Psalm 78 and 8. I want to look at a few of them again, and we're going to go deeper. It says, Psalm 78 and 8, and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation. Stubborn means you're difficult to change. Uh, I, I said, touch your neighbor, say, don't be stubborn. As a matter of fact, here's the truth. Most stubborn folk know they're stubborn. They just don't care. And they'll say stuff like, I just, I know I'm stuck in my ways. Well, how's that working out for you? I know it's difficult for me to change. Well, how's that working out for you? The reality is your life will improve at the speed of your ability to respond to instruction and the speed of your ability to respond to directives. Stubborn people's lives suck. Suck is a Hebrew word for they aren't great. Uh, that's a joke. Isn't that? Here we were. Stubborn and rebellious generation. Rebellion means, watch this, stubborn means I'm not changing even when I'm confronted with information to change. Rebellion means, and I'm going to go against the information I learn. Anybody here in leadership or management, anything like that? You got folks, watch this. Here's rebellion. Okay, everyone, I want you to do it like this. And, and then you got that one employee, that one person, that one whatever, and they just do it a whole nother way. You're like, well, what didn't you understand about what I said? The issue is, is that they heard you. They just didn't care what you said because the rebellion in them makes them say, I don't have to do it the way you're saying to do it because I got a better way, yet I don't have bigger fruit. Y'all not saying nothing this morning. I preach, Bishop. Yes, sir. Uh, it says, a generation that did not set its heart aright, and whose spirit was not faithful to God. Their issue was their heart. Say their heart. And in the scripture, your heart is your mind. So watch this. He says, they did not ever set their mind to make sure that they aligned themselves with God. And so they weren't faithful to him. Verse 33. Therefore, he consumed uh, their days in futility and their years in fear. Futility means that they do a lot, but they don't have anything to show for the lot they do. Futility means they're busy, but not productive. Futility means that they're tired, but they don't have anything they've taken. I know I'm talking to somebody in here because the truth be told is that you sometimes watch this after a full night's sleep, you wake up tired. The reason you wake up tired is because the fight you've been in is with the old you and the new you. The fight you've been in is with God trying to break you out of who you were and to break you into who he's ordained for you to be. But I'm here to tell somebody you ain't going to win that fight. So you might as well give up and come out with your hands up and say, Lord, do what you want to do and do it quickly. Look, 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 look at this. Uh, 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 verse 34. When he slew them, they sought him. And they returned and sought earnestly for God. He said the only time they listen is when they get a lesion. The only time they hear is when they hurt. The only time they pay attention is when they're in pain. He said this is the children of Israel. And Acts 7.38 says whenever we read them, we are really reading ourselves. So, 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 so. What areas of your life does it take pain to make you pay attention? What areas of your life does it take drama before you actually start uh, paying attention? Watch this, verse 36. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue. What do you mean they flattered him with their mouth? They said lots of things they thought he wanted to hear. It's quiet in here. They said a lot of things he wanted to hear. Anybody have somebody where they, they were telling you everything you wanted to hear? But you knew that they weren't telling the truth, and you knew they weren't telling the truth because they were talking. They promising you stuff they can't even get. I'm going to get you this and this and this. And you ain't got this and this and that. How you going to get that for me? 
It says they flattered him with their mouth and they lied to him with their tongue. Anybody ever been lied to? You know the thing about a lie is when someone lies to you, what it really does is that not only does it make you have an issue with them, but then you'll have an issue with yourself because you'll say, what's wrong with me that I didn't pay attention and see the issues with what they said in the first place? The Bible says that the children of Israel, they said lots of things about how they loved them. They just didn't show anything to prove it. Verse 41, yes, again and again, they tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. Check this out. God says, my limitations became their ability to listen. My limitations became the fact that they didn't really love me, so they never got to experience who I really was. Because I had to hold back because they couldn't handle me. You're not hearing what I'm saying. See, you're complaining about your life, complaining about this, complaining about that. God, I wish this was that way. I wish that was that way. And God says, there's so much more I could do for you, but I can't give you that because you've limited me. And you've limited me because you don't really love me. You like me a lot. But today, I don't think you get it. When you don't, watch this. When you love somebody, you give all of you. You will find ways to get stuff done. You're not hearing what I'm saying. When you really love something, you'll figure it out. See, this is a powerful principle. Never let anybody tell you, I could. No, just tell the truth. You didn't want to. Because if you wanted to, you would have found the way to make it happen. I don't need your excuses. I don't, y'all not saying nothing. You need to stop accepting stuff like that from people. You didn't do it because you didn't want to do it. Because had you wanted to do it, you would have found the way to get it done. God says, God says, God says, he says, if you love somebody, You'll go to whatever end. For God so loved the world that he was. Okay. He said, I love y'all so much I'll die. And then get back up. I'll submit myself to people I made just to prove my love to you. Check out the principle, church. Say, what's the principle, bishop? Y'all ain't really talking the way I need you to talk. Talk like an army. Say, what's the principle, bishop? I know it's a rough message. That's all right. It's going to get better, but I just got to get us in alignment because we will not be a church that says we love God, but we don't. We will not be lying when we lift our hands and say, I love you. We ain't going to be lying. We will not be saying, God, we love you, but we don't really mean it because we flatter him with our mouths and we lie to him with our lips. Stop your neighbor, high five, say, when I say it, I'm going to mean it. When you really love somebody, you'll go to any extent to do what it takes to get it done. And he said, the issue is, watch this, watch this. I will, watch this. You, you will, some of y'all, here's the issue, is that you, you, you ever heard this saying, I love hard? Which basically means when I love, I'm all in. Well, that's kind of the whole idea of love. See, that's the difference between love and like. That's kind of the whole idea. So everybody that loves should love hard. If you don't love hard, you ain't loving, you like it. So when you love, you'll do anything within reason, scriptural reason. But truth be told, some of y'all have done a whole lot of unscriptural stuff to show your love. Y'all not saying nothing. You will do whatever it takes to demonstrate that love. And it will make you, watch this, give all of you to someone or something when you love. You'll have 15 of the same conversations because you're saying I'm being patient and love is patient. Y'all not saying nothing. In other words, you'll give all of you to them without limitation. So check the principle. God says, I can't give all of me to you without limitation because I know you don't really love me. You just like me. So you haven't seen me as healer because you don't love me. You haven't seen me as waymaker because you don't love me. You haven't seen me turn water into wine because you don't love me. You haven't seen me as Alpha and Omega because you don't love me. But today, I think it's a few people at this 915, you're going to shift out a strong light for Jesus into love for Jesus. If that's you, I need you to holler one time. The extent of their love became his limitation. He said, I can only give you enough of me that I can trust you with. Just like people now, you, you got folk in your life now, you know you can't trust. So when they ask you for $20, you're like, mm-mm. But then you got other folks who repeatedly ask you for $20, that because you love them, here. You'll give all of you to who or what you love. It's the same principle. God says, I have to hold myself back from my own people because they don't really love me. It's quiet in the church. They never really love God, church. They love what he did for them. And watch this. Here's the truth. If we are honest, if we are honest, 
if we are, the baby got it, I need you to get it. If we are honest, that's where many of us have been. Okay? But effective immediately, that's shifting. Because when you say you love them, you just won't be talking it from here on out. You're going to be walking it. Say it's shifting immediately. But let's review where it's shifting from. I, I gave you these three reasons that it's very difficult for us to uh, understand God and really love God. I gave you these three reasons last week. The first was is because in our culture, we deal transactionally with fathers, not relationally. And our culture means American culture. It's probably global culture now, but the truth be told, in the East, they have a better understanding of honor. Uh, in the East, they have a better understanding uh, of what it is to be relational uh, because they're not trying to advance their agenda. They have submitted their agenda to the will of another. So, so, so the issue is in most in our culture today, when it comes to fathers, first off, the majority of American households do not have a father of all races. That's not limited to one group or one subsect of the culture as all races. Everybody, uh, the statistics suggest up to 70% of homes are fatherless. So God says in 2 Corinthians, he says, uh, or the books of Corinthians, rather, he says, I will be a father to you and you'll be my sons and daughters. Well, how is it that God now personifies himself in the very form that most people cannot even relate to? And for many people, watch this, your father was only used as an instrumentation of discipline. I'm going to tell your daddy. So then you only saw him as a disciplinarian, so you never built relationship because you only saw him when you were in trouble, which is why some folk only come to church when things are bad. I'm in trouble now. Let me go see daddy. He says, I will be, 2 Corinthians 6, 18, I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and my daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So check it out. But how is it that God has now embodied himself in something that most people cannot even relate to? That's why it's so difficult to love him, because most people don't get it. So most people don't understand that he's both lion and lamb, which means he loves me, but sometimes he's going to have to give me a lick. And by lick there, I don't mean lick like a lick of ice cream cone. I mean a lick like stop all that. A stripe. Okay? Which means on one side, he's nurturing me, but on the other side, he's also nudging me. On one side, he's loving me, but on the other side, he's disciplining me. On one side, he says, son, you're great. On the other side, he says, don't you ever do that again. Because that's what a father does. A real father, the scripture says, he directs those that are his sons. So, but for most of us, it's transactional, not relational. So, 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 so a father becomes an instrumentation of transaction. It's even done that way in conception. It's a transaction. Y'all not talking. It's a transaction. So, so it's, a, it's a physical transaction. Boom. Transaction's over. Boom. Now let's fight the rest of his life. Let's fight the rest of her life. Let's fight over this. Let's fight over that. Let's fight over this. Let's fight over that. And let's fight now because the transaction's over. So I won't do what's necessary to be relational. I just want to be transactional, which is why we say things like this. I'm babysitting my kids. Partner, you don't babysit your own kids. Those are your kids. That's your responsibility. That's your job. And the Bible says children are the inheritance of the Lord, which means that means what I'm handling is actually God. So I need to handle it better than I would normally handle it because I'm handling something for him temporarily. Y'all, 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 yeah, quiet there. So how did I say to handle that, that transactional versus relational thing? Well, love, uh, love has languages. Love is received certain ways. And so the love language of God is honor. Malachi 1.6, a son honors his father, a servant his master. If I'm your father, where's my honor? If I'm your master, where's my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. So God says, to show your love to me, honor me in all ways, all days. That's how I receive love. That's his love language. And then in response to you honoring him, how? Always, all days, then his love is poured out on you. See, he started it off with Jesus giving his love for us. So he's already extended love. So now he says, I need you to respond in my love language, which is honor. So he started it. Now it's on you. Say it's on me now. It's on me to send honor back to him. And then when I send honor to him, he responds. Then he responds. Then, you see, now it's going back and forth. Now we have relationship. 
Because think of it. What really is, what is really, really is relationship? What is relational interaction? It's consistent. It's perpetual. Think about it. You can go, listen, you, you can go months for somebody that you used to talk to every day, and they go months not talking to them, and then you talk to a stranger. Why? Because you broke consistency. Because you broke consistency now, you're a stranger to me. I don't know you. I know what we were. I know what we did. I know how it used to be. But this is not that because you broke consistency. You stopped speaking my love language. So when you stopped speaking my language, you broke the relationship. Second thing that I said uh, was an issue of how we love God and this whole concept of loving him was that Jesus said, or scripture rather says that their heart was far from him. So I told you on Wednesday to move your heart near him in every movement. Isaiah 29, 13, therefore the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths, that's what church is. I'm drawing near with my mouth, but we have to shift from just that level into where it's not just life or mouth rather, but it's in every movement. Somebody say, I'm shifting there. Yeah, talk to me like an army. Say, I'm shifting there. Therefore, the Lord said, inasmuch as these people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but they've removed their hearts far from me and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. He says, the only reason they do what I say is because somebody taught them to. But when your heart's really with somebody, you find out what pleases them and then you make that your priority. Okay, watch this. Fellas, when you were on pursuit, she didn't give you a book. Y'all not talking. All right, now this 21st century. Ladies, when you were in illegal pursuit, he who finds, not she who goes and gets. Not she who puts it out on blast. Not she who's got, y'all not talking to me, so since you ain't going to talk, I really don't care no more. Uh, uh, not she that puts it out there on Instagram and Snapchat and all of that, looking thirsty. No, that ain't what the book says. It says, he who finds, not she who ran to go get. Watch the text now. You didn't need them to give you a book on what to do and what not to do. You asked questions because you wanted to find out what pleases you. And when I found out what pleases you, I now make that my priority. So I studied you. So I learned you. So I figured out what you wanted, what you didn't want. Then I gave you what it was. I determined you wanted and you didn't want. But we don't do that with God. No, no, that ain't what we do with God. It's quiet and then that's cool. We don't do that with God. You know what we do with God? So I have to do this. I got to do that. But if you really, really love me, and we're shifting there, church. He said last week, he said, son, teach him how to love me. He said, because I don't need y'all being like every other church. I need y'all being folk that really love me. And I'm going to show myself strong through some folk that really love me. Not perfect, but they loyal. Not do everything right, but they really love me. Would you just touch your name and say, I'm not perfect, but I am loyal. When your heart is with someone or something, your priority is to please. And that's proof that our hearts aren't many places we say they are. Because we don't aim to please. We don't even find out what it takes to please. We want to find out the least we can do, the fastest we can do it, and be done so we can go home and watch other people live their life. You know more about what's going on with Cookie and her family than you do about what's happening at church. Y'all not saying nothing. You know about what's going on with the real housewives, and you wonder why you just got a house and ain't a wife. It's because... Your heart's everywhere else except where it's supposed to be. Preach, Bishop. When I love him, I move my heart toward him, which means I practice what pleases him. See, Christianity, uh, Christianity only seems hard to some because most are not practicing Christianity. You are practicing ianity. See, Christian, like Christ, mm, that ain't what most folk are doing. They're practicing ianity. I need a breakthrough, so if lifting my hands will get it, lift them. I need a miracle. I need a breakthrough. I need this. I need that. I want this. 
You wouldn't let somebody come up in your house like that. They walk over your house, come in your house, be like, look, I'm going to need this. Hey, partner, wait a minute now. <laughs> back up, back up, because it's home. I need to have several seats. Don't be walking in here getting stuff all this, my, all this, just, just chill out. Watch this, watch this. If your walk with God seems hard right now, it is only because you are practicing another form of worship. You are not focused on Jesus. You are focused on you. Preach, Bishop. Here's the third thing I told you why it's difficult to love God. It's because we don't do what he says. So on Wednesday I said, let the messages direct your movements. Here's how God says to, he knows if we love him. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Do what I say do, when I say do it, how I say do it. Let me ask the parents a question. Parents, make a little noise for me. Now, parents, I know this is Denver, so I know slightly different form of parenthood is practiced here. Maybe not here. <laughs> Maybe not for harvesters, but in this region, a different form of parenthood is practiced. But can you imagine this? You're an eight-year-old. He said, listen, son, clean your room. Listen, I'm going through a lot right now. And so, um, I'm not really, I just, I just, I got my own relationship with my room and my own relationship, which I'm just, I just got my own thing going on. And I'm not, I'm not really, I'm not really feeling what you're saying. What else, son? What else? You ain't feeling what I'm saying? Okay. I tell you not to. <laughs> now, you read in between the lines. You would instantly snap, crackle, and pop. Would I, watch this. And you wouldn't care where you at. You could be in the middle of Target. Talking about, oh, you ain't going to put the shoes on? I worked all this time to get some money to buy you some shoes, and you, come, 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 move your hand, move your hand, move your hand. <laughs> now, now, I know what some parents in here think. Well, maybe they don't receive love that way. That's why your kid's bad. So let me just help you. Bible says, spare the rug, spoil the child. Spoil the child. So if you're trying to figure out why you have so many issues, because the rod has been spared. I'm a living witness that when the rod is used, won't he make you a world changer? <laughs> won't he make you a history maker? Here's the point. Here's the truth, y'all, and I just got to just drop it. I don't know what anyone would say except just be real with it. We live in a self-centered, narcissistic, sociopathic culture narcissistic self-focused sociopathic no sense of morality I don't really care what we do who it hurts how it hurts him it's just and if we would shift the focus that we devote to self to the savior and practicing what he loves your story would evolve instantly but for most here's the truth church I just got to drop it on it's like it's hot you're not trying your hardest you're doing what you want to do not what the word says to do and you don't practice what he loves you do your thing and say here I hope you like it not even caring what does he love you just just God look this is what this is what I'm gonna do and I hope you like this God's like but I didn't order that I didn't ask for that. I don't want that. So just because it makes you happy, loving me ain't about what makes you happy. Loving me is about what makes me happy. It's how to work a job. It's what my, my tailor, when, he, <laughs> when he's cut, because he knows I like my stuff cut real Euro style. And so he say, he's, he's learning English now. And so when he talks to me, he'll say, Bishop, I, I saw him yesterday. He says, Bishop, he says, it's a harder work a job you have. He says, you, you, it's a too tight. This is too tight. I said, make it tighter. <laughs> I said, slim fit, sir. 
not slim-ish. <laughs> so he says, how to work a job. He says, how to work a job here. Oh, no, Bishop, he's learning English. And so, but what I love about him is yeah, <laughs> he's probably one of the biggest promoters of our church because he, he has the cards everywhere. He, talk, he says, ah, churchy, churchy. And so he's, as he, he's learning. And he said, I come to your church. I come to your church. He said, but do you speak Korean? I said, no, we don't speak Korean. I said, but for you, I'll figure out something. He said, okay, we come. We're going to come. We're going to come. So I'm helping him learn English now. And so, and so he'll come in, and so he'll take out his word, his word computer, his little computer, and so we'll have a whole dialogue. And so I'm teaching him English. I'm gonna teach him how to speak in tongues after a while. <laughs> tongues of men and the tongues of angels. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, back to the message. So, so think about this. It's like somebody giving you something, and saying, "I hope you like it," and you say, "But I don't. But I. But I didn't. But I didn't. I didn't ask for that." So you just did your own thing. You, you didn't even consider what I like. And then they get mad with you. Because you're like, well, what? Like, you can't eat cheese. And here they come with a cheese platter. I hope you like it. I appreciate It's the thought that counts. No, it's the execution that counts. Execute. Okay, watch this. When your check's supposed to be there on Friday, that direct deposit's supposed to hit, go to your supervisor when it don't come. And they say, it's the thought that counts. We thought about getting it to you today. It's, like, it's the execution. And when is it coming through? Our repeated movements are what we practice, and we should practice what he loves. And you want to know something, church? There are less than 20 verses of the entire Bible where it says God loves something. Less than 20. And one of those things Jesus loves, and here it is, our message for today. Here it is. We're there. We're in the meat of it. Took us a long time to get there. Say, what is that, Bishop? He loves a cheerful giver. So you should practice that. We should practice that. Think about it. How is it that we expect to receive and we've never given? We expect to harvest and we've never sown. That's like a farmer going out on a field he's never planted anything in and saying, I'm waiting on my harvest. And the ground is saying, you haven't put anything in us. You are not entitled to a harvest because you've not put anything in us. So check out the principle, church. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. And we, we're done. 2 Corinthians 9, 6. They're practicing what Jesus loves. So proof of my love for him is that I practice what he loves. I do it repeatedly. It's my movement over and over again. Let me ask you something. Um, anybody, you got somebody on the phone, you talk to it. When you get on the phone with them, you end with, okay, love you, bye. Anybody got somebody? Okay. Watch this. Why do you say that all the time? Didn't they hear it four years ago when you told them? It's your practice. So you repeat it over and over and over again because it is proof of my love because it's my practice. It's what I do repeatedly. So it's the same principle, church. Uh, out of the 20 or so verses of things God loves, one of those is it says this, he loves a cheerful giver. What type of giver? Second Corinthians 9.6. I'm wrap this up. But I, this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. That means you give a little, you're going to what? Give a lot? So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. In other words, he says purposes in the heart. That means make a decision. A decision has to be made by you that since Jesus loves a cheerful giver, that uh, winning is giving and giving is winning. Not grudgingly, nor of necessity. In other words, he says, don't act like you're doing me a favor. Okay? Uh, watch this. For God loves a what? Cheerful giver. When you're cheerful, that means you're consistent. Watch this all the time. It means that you do it uh, on autopilot. It becomes part of your nature. Just like when you get off the phone with somebody you love, you say, okay, love you, bye. It's part of your nature. In fact, some of you got folk to where if you don't say it, they'll call you back and say, did you miss something? Oh, I said it real fast, but you need to say it slower so I hear you. Well, I know it's right. Watch this, verse 8. And God is able to make, now what kind of giver does he love? Cheerful. So then what should we practice being a cheerful giver? Okay? So cheerful givers are consistent. Okay? 
You would not say somebody loves you. If you were in a romantic relationship with somebody and the only thing you got from them was an email one day talking about, I really appreciate you. You'd say, well, you know the way folk do it now. They was always booking ahead anyhow. I'm trying to come, but Harvest, you got to start. So. I'm finna finish this message, though. You finna, you finna hear the rest of this message. <laughs> Amen. Watch, I'm being funny. Watch this. So God says, when you're a cheerful giver, look what he does for you. Look at verse number, uh, look at verse number uh, eight. One, two, ready? You read verse eight. Look at me, church. It says, it says, when you're a cheerful giver, God makes grace. Grace is favor. Abound means turn toward you, that you will have sufficiency in all things. So let's just deal with it. Real. Can I just deal with the real non, non-sugar-coated? Can I just give it to you raw and real? If you lack, that means your giving is whack. End of discussion. End of discussion. It, there's nothing more to it. It ain't no demonic attack. It means... You don't have sufficiency because you're not a cheerful giver. Isn't that what verse 8 says? That's what it said before you got in here. Verse 10. Now may he who supplied seed to the sower. What does he give to the sower? Seed. So if you have no seed, it's because he knows you won't sow anyhow. So I just got to say it the way I want to say it. If you're broke, it's because you don't practice what he loves. I know, I, know, I know it's raw. I, I, I know it is. But if you're talking about, I'm just struggling from week to week to week to week to week. The book says there's a reason for that. You don't practice what he loves. If you practice what he loves, he makes you a promise. And that promise is that he gives seed to the sower and that you would have all sufficiency in all things, all ways. Which means if there's a lack of sufficiency, the issue isn't with God. The issue is with who's practicing. All right. And bread for food, supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 11, while you are enriched in everything. In what? So that means my giving is connected to my quality of life. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality, which causes thanksgiving through us to God. Look, look at me, church. He loves the what? Cheerful giver. So what should we practice? So he says, I care about how you give and what you give. And this practice is proof of your love for me. It's quiet. This practice is proof of your love for me. Why y'all getting quiet when I'm talking about money? I read your prayer request. You be praying for it. Why y'all getting quiet when I'm talking about money? Over 15% of Jesus' words were about money. More than heaven, hell, and prayer combined. So I think we probably should uh, talk about money. Because what we do with our money is an ending. He says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. There, there, there your heart is. Somebody say, that's where my heart is. Whatever you do with your money is a revealer of where your heart is. So based on that, where is your heart? Based on that, where is your heart? For some, your heart is at Nordstrom. For some, your heart is at Target. Some of you are wearing your ties. Some of you ate your ties on Friday night. God says, don't tell me how much you love me. Show me the books. Show me the books. Show me the money. Think about that. He says, that's, that's how I will know where your heart is. Not your hands lifted. Not you saying great things out of your mouth. I'll know where your heart is because I'm going to check the books. So if God checks the books right now, which he is, where does it reveal the placement of our heart? He says, I love her. What kind of giver? Cheerful. What kind of giver? Cheerful. Now, don't y'all get quiet here. I'm going to shout to you in a minute. Let's just go to fifth gear because they've been very quiet today. 
And so God says, no, I'm just joking. I ain't doing all that. You didn't shout. I ain't do working hard. Tithe. Basic starting point. That's the first 10% of every dollar earned or received. And that includes everything. You know what everything means? Everything. Birthday money. Everything. Child support. Everything. Spousal support. Everything. Alimony. Everything. She money. Everything. He money. Everything. Bar mitzvah money. Everything. Kwanzaa money. Everything. Birthday money. Everything. Halloween cash. Everything. Thanksgiving money. Everything. New Year money. Everything. Found the money on the street. Everything. Co-worker said, I'm going to buy lunch. Everything. Because they gave you a 20 and lunch was only five. So check this out. Check this out. <laughs> yeah, let's say everything grew. I like it. That's the starting point. Then everything above that's the offering. And God says, when you give this, I want you to be cheerful about it. Not oh God. Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I don't really know how. You didn't do that when you was buying them people all that stuff. I'm giving to God. And this is what he loves. And he says, I know this is where your heart is because of what you do with your money. Offering is everything we give above the first 10%. We pay the tithe, but we sow the offerings because the offerings are seeds. Say they're seed. Bigger seeds you sow, what do uh, Corinthians teaches? The bigger harvest we reap. And since God is looking for somebody to prosper because he gives seed to the sower, it might as well be us. Might as well be. Just look at your neighbor and say, I think it should be me. What do you think it should be me? I think it should be me. If he's looking for somebody. Which means it doesn't matter where you start. It doesn't matter how little it is. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you come from. He's looking for somebody that he can prosper. So it might as well be me. No, go make it personal. Say it might as well be. Might as well be me. There's a tithe, the offering. Now, Bishop, what's the mother to the first fruit? Here's first fruit. First fruit, seen several places. Nehemiah 12, 44, Ezekiel, also several places. Here's the first fruit. First fruit is the whole first of the increase. You get a new job, the whole first check. You get a thousand dollar a month raise, the whole first thousand. You know what I'm saying? All right, let me talk to your neighbor. Let me prophesy. You get a ten thousand dollar bonus, and you just started. The whole ten. Okay, you got it? I've used this analogy before. Tithe is one paddle on the boat, offers another paddle on the boat. First fruit is like a motorboat. But then here's is this other one of the love offering. And uh, this one, uh, normally during Past Appreciation Month, we'd have guest speakers come in talking about the importance of honor. I said, I ain't doing that this year. I said, you know why I ain't doing that? It's because it shouldn't take somebody else. If it takes somebody else... Here's what that is. Here's what that is. Here's what that is. I ask a lot of questions about what people do uh, because it tells me the heart. Okay? So let me give you an example. And then we're done. And then Harvest is going to start. Somebody say amen. If you believe it, say amen. That's from Wednesday. Got to get the CD. So I ask questions because I, I like to know why. I want to know, know everything that led up to it because then I can learn a lot about the heart without actually having to have a conversation. So I ask a lot of questions. So what they say? No, when they say it? Hmm. What would they say? How did they do that? How did they do that? It's like this. It's like if you're in, if you, if you, if you with somebody, you say you love, you love them. <clears throat> Good love, real love, true love. Say I love you. But it always takes another party to tell you how you got something good. Evidently, you're not convinced. So I said, I'm not bringing no guest speaker this month. Talk about honor and all that. I said, I'm not doing all that. I said, I'm not bringing a guest speaker to talk about the importance of sowing a love offering. I'm not doing that either. I said, because here's the deal. The principle is the principle. And love gives. And we should practice what Jesus loved. Paul said, say there's a blessing in that. 
Paul, when he's telling this to the Corinthian church, he tells them, he says, I made you inferior because I didn't teach you how to give properly. He says, so y'all were very gifted, but you were inferior to all the other churches, he says, because I didn't teach you the importance of giving. And he makes it specific, giving to him. Okay, Because here's what some people think. Well, he don't need it. Not the point. Neither does God. Neither does God. Neither does God. The love offering is what you sowed into the man of God's life who you were assigned to. That's what you see people when they run up here and they're all like, you sow into that man of God. You're sowing into that word. You're sowing into that life. You're sowing into that grace, that favor, that anointing that rests on that man. And the scripture says in the book of Philippians, we're done, church, in the book of Philippians, that there was, uh, the Philippians gave to Paul in a significant way. You know the scripture, and my God shall supply. You, you know that scripture. But if we had time, if you were to read that whole chapter, you discover that the Philippian church was a faithful giver of that love offering to Paul. Not the tithes, not the offering. No. So when Paul was getting ready to do something, Paul would say, all right, y'all, here's what we're doing. And you know what they came and did? They said, Paul, they said, Paul, man of God, here you go. Boom. Boom. They sowed. What were they sowing into? Paul said, when you sow into me, the offering you sow into me is an exchange that brings the grace on my life. And it brings it on to your life. So you can serve into that grace and you can sow into that grace. You can serve into that power. You can sow into that power. So when they sowed, somebody say they sowed. When they sowed, what ended up taking place was that Paul looks at how they gave. And Paul said, I tell you what, y'all's giving is so significant. He says, and my God, put the verse up, shall supply all of your need according to to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Why does he say my God if he's all of their God? Because the apostle was teaching them a principle. He says, when you sow into me, he's going to treat you the way he treats me. Now, while he's no respecter of persons and he loves us all equally, he doesn't handle us all the same. I said he loves us equally, but he does not handle us the same. If you study your Bible, you will discover that he treated people or he handled people differently according to the levels of authority that he gave them. So while he loved everybody the same, he did not handle everybody the same. So to David, after David makes a mistake, he says, David, now I appreciate your repentance, but you're the king and you're the leader. So now this first son of yours isn't going to be able to live because you defied what I said to do. He handled them differently because if you read that same story with another person other than David in the story, while he loved them the same, he handled them differently. So the Apostle Paul says, when you sow into me, the grace that is on me comes to you. And so he'll treat you the way he treats me. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Say practicing what Jesus loves. Now, I, I, I want to, I got to quick because I'm out of time. Did you learn something? Did you get something? Good, good. Now, now watch this. Watch this. Um, <laughs> I, I want you to go up to verse uh, Philippians so you can see this. Uh, and go to verse uh, 14 so you can see this. Nevertheless, I'm going to start in just a minute. You have done well that you shared in my distress. Now, you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, I want you to read the next part. Share with who? Me. Not the church. Me. Keep reading. But you only. You see this? He says, I have done a lot for a whole lot of folk. He said, but the only ones who actually practice what Jesus loved was y'all. And then look at verse number uh, 16. For even in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my what? Necessities. So, so they just said, man of God, what do you need? Because that's what we're going to, we ain't going to come up with something we want to give you. What do you need? And that's what we're going to give you. He said, even in Thessalonica, this is what y'all did. 
And then look at the next part, because I know what somebody's thinking. That man is trying to get something for himself. No, I, I'm good. God's been good to me. Watch what Paul says. This is the same thing I say, say to you, verse 17. Not that I seek the gift. So nothing that I'm saying is self-seeking, because it's not. Whether you give or don't, I'm, God has been good to I'm good. I just want to be very clear about that. Okay? Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Paul says, if you want your account to come up, you're going to need to make mine come up. That, that's what he said to him. That's what he said. That's what he said to him. And it was a tough, tough Sunday morning teaching, but it's just the Bible. It is what it is. Verse 18. Indeed, watch what he tells him. He says, because I know what some of y'all are thinking. He says, I got all and I abound. I'm full. I received from Ephroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet smelling aroma, an acceptable what? Sacrifice. They weren't giving to the church. They were giving to the man of God. Well pleasing to God. Next verse. And my God shall supply your need. How much of it? All of it. Which means it's bigger than money. Wherever something is missing, wherever something is lacking, wherever something is needed, he said, there's a way for you to sow your way up out of that. I dare you to slap your neighbor high five so there's a way to sow your way up out of that. You can sow yourself out of discouragement. You can sow yourself out of depression. You can sow yourself out of drama. You can sow yourself out of issues. Paul said, I don't need nothing from you, but you need something from me. Watch the verse. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So here's what we're going to do, church. Somebody says it's time to give. We're going to practice it. And if you want to practice it, practice it. If you're not going to practice it, okay. Keep doing like the way you're doing it. We'll show you like it. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. At Granger, we're for the ones who specialize in saving the day and for the ones who've mastered the art of keeping business moving. We offer industrial-grade supplies for every industry, with same-day pickup and next-day delivery on most orders, all backed by real people ready to help. So you can get the right answers and products right when you need them. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.